Well, I wanna talk today for a few minutes about normal life and what happens when chaotic, disruptive, horrible things break into what is otherwise normal life. And usually that come upon us without warning, come upon us without any notice. And how do we then handle that? How do we navigate those realities? And so uh, this is a beautiful story, a very well-known story. It comes right on the heels of what we talked about last week, if you were with us. Um, immediately after the feeding of the crowds, this is where it picks up. And Jesus sends the disciples into the boats to go and do a normal thing, which is to navigate a boat across the Sea of Galilee. Um, for us, it's hard to imagine this as a normal story to think that this is just normal everyday life. Because for us, the Sea of Galilee is a mysterious and beautiful and holy place that is uh, drenched in history and mystery and in the reverence that we rightly give to these stories. Many of you know, last fall, my wife Rachel and I, we spent two weeks in Israel and we spent about four days on and around the Sea of Galilee. And it, for me, did not feel like normal life at all. It was anything but normal life. And what you find is this incredible mix of history and natural beauty combined with really American tourism and a whole market that's built up around that. I will never forget traveling there and going out on a boat that was meant to look a bit like a historic boat. And we and our group went out on the water and it was uh, in Hebrew called basically some version of the praise boat. What that meant was we had a boat guide who looked a bit like Maui from the movie Moana. And he would take us out on the waters. And while we're kind of there trying to imagine the historic moments, you know, imagine Jesus on a boat with his disciples, fishing these waters, making a meal on the shore. Uh, he was there in Hebrew singing Chris Tomlin's How Great Is Our God. <laughs> And it, it, was a, it was a tense moment. I mean, it was, a, it was kind of a, how, how do I navigate these two realities uh, while we're on the praise boat and yet really moved by this place, by this moment we're in. Um, and so there was nothing normal about that for me at really a, a few different levels. And yet I think that's how we approach these stories. We hear the Sea of Galilee and we think this is, this is a, a moment. And yet it was anything but for these disciples. This was as normal as life can be. They had fished these waters a thousand times. For them, navigating a boat across the Sea of Galilee was about as routine as anything could be. It's normal life in the truest sense of the word. It was as normal as you or I going to Kroger to buy groceries or commuting to work for the thousandth time or studying for an exam, you know, whatever it may be. And yet what we also learned while we were there is that the unique nature of the Sea of Galilee is such that in the Sea of Galilee, storms can come up at a moment's notice. Because remember, they don't have iPhones. It's not like they could go and look up on their phone, get a warning, a storm's coming, you know, none of that. For them, they were smart fishermen. They set out, they see clear skies and they think, this is fine, let's go out. And yet the way that the mountains surrounding it and the way that just that the, the natural environment works is that these severe storms could come up without any warning at a moment's notice. And so they find themselves one minute in a place of normalcy, a place of security and safety, and yet immediately now chaos breaks in and they find themselves deeply troubled and concerned and saying, uh, what do we do and how do we navigate this? And so I think that's kind of the question I want us to sit with. If we can see this story as a normal everyday reality for those who encountered it, we can then for our own day sit with us and say, how do you and I respond when chaos breaks into what is otherwise our normal everyday life?
And I think that's the question for us today. And there's countless ways this actually plays out. You and I could be at home in a routine evening, getting ready for bed, and you get a phone call that you find out a a beloved family member is at death's door. You could be uh, commuting or at work and at your desk or your cubicle, seemingly a normal day, and your company comes and says, "We, we don't have funds for your position anymore. You go to a routine doctor's appointment, and they say, uh, this is anything but routine. We've discovered a significant uh, mass, and we need to uh, have a test, and uh, opens up this whole pathway that you never saw coming, that you never thought this was a road you're actually going to walk. Absolute chaos, and what you thought just moments before was a relatively normal, everyday reality. And I think this is one of the hardest things for us to navigate because whatever the details of your life may be, this is the way storms of life work is they come upon us just like the Sea of Galilee. They come upon us typically without any warning. And that's one of the hardest things really about life for me. My temperament is such that I wanna plan out every detail. I wanna know every variable so I can remove the possibility of disappointment or surprise. And so the fact that life does not afford us that frustrates me to no end, if I'm honest. And yet this is what it means to be a person of faith. This is what it means to walk through life. And it's why this story is so powerful, why we have set with it as the church for countless years. Because when we read this, we see this is a picture of life itself. And that for us, Faith, the journey of faith requires that we go out into the boat, set out into our normal everyday life, and yet realize we don't actually know what awaits us on the other side. And yet we have to trust that Jesus is with us in that place and will teach us and help us navigate through that moment as we do. And I think whether you have very specific realities you're navigating that feel like chaotic storms, or whether it's just the moment of the last six months, this is a story we can all relate to. Because I don't think any of us saw the last six months coming. Really, no one watching this video, at least, was sitting here six months ago saying, this is what 2020 is going to look like. No, none of us saw this coming. It came upon us out of nowhere. It felt like a storm coming in on a sunny day where for most of us, one minute we're reading the news and reading about this virus on the other side of the world. And we think that's the sort of thing that happens over there. That doesn't happen here. And then before we know it, it felt like within a few days, we're in fistfights fighting for the last role of Charmin and we're hunkered down in our homes and thinking like, how in the heck did we get here? What is going on? And in some ways, that's the moment we find ourselves reading about and encountering in this story, where normal life, everyday life is turned upside down in so many ways, so many ways here. And that's really the enduring power, the enduring reality of this story. Because I think this story, if we have the eyes to see it, the ears to hear it, It's a bit of a snapshot into the way the world is, the way the world actually works. This story in a different time, a different place, thousands of miles away, it tells you and me something about our life right now, the life you and I are actually living in this very moment. Because if it's not the pandemic, it will be something else. There is something always in our life, it seems, that will break in upon us and that will threaten what we feel or think is normal. And then we have to choose how we respond. How do we engage that moment? And I think the failure for us in this moment is that we would uh, just want to get through this thing. 
How many times have we said that or thought that? How do I just get to the other side of this? Go back to normal. When will this end? Because we have this myth of progress. That's what we've inherited. This sense in which life is always getting better. Life is always moving from height to height. And so this little momentary disturbance, we get that out of the way and we're back on that fast track to success. And yet this teaches us something fundamental about life. The ancient world, I believe it wants us to see something that we're prone to forget, which is life is a struggle. Life inherently is a struggle and no amount of technological advancement or improvement will change that fundamental reality. And so what we then face, just like these ancient disciples, is an invitation from Jesus to see this moment for what it is, which is an invitation to grow in and through the struggle, to say that in this struggle, you and I become something that we would not be otherwise. And if we simply wanna get to the other side and pass through this moment, we will miss a fundamental invitation from our Lord that he says, this is actually a way in which you become the person I want you to be, the person you are able to be. Because it's an invitation for us to grow and to suffer. I was reading uh, to go through our suffering and to see it as an invitation. I was reading a sermon earlier this week from St. John Chrysostom, who was the greatest preacher of his day. And he wrote a sermon on Matthew 14. And here's what he says. Here's his understanding of how Jesus is at work in this story. He says, gently and by degrees. I love that phrase. Gently and by degrees, Jesus excites and urges the disciples on toward greater responsiveness even to the point of bearing all things nobly. He urges them on and encourages them to bear all things, whatever life brings of them, to bear it nobly. And I think we have fundamentally lost the ability to see the virtue that can be formed through a season of suffering, through a difficult season of trial, to see that struggle itself is a way that God makes us the people that we are meant to be. It doesn't mean we deny the struggle. It doesn't mean we're meant to say, oh, this is great. I love everything about this. No, it's a struggle. It will always be a struggle. Life will always present things that we have a a, a temptation to respond in a negative way and to say, I don't wanna receive this as God's work in my life. God allowing this, not doing it, not actively causing that evil, but to say, how could I receive this in this moment to say, God might be allowing this for a reason. And if I have eyes to see and ears to hear, maybe I could become something different as I pass through it. I think it affects the way we pray, if we're honest. This should change the way I pray and the way you pray. We talk about prayer here a lot. And if I'm honest, I often in moments like these want to pray prayers that are, are not embracing the moment for what it is. They're prayers that say, God, when will this end? God, please let this pass. Get me through this as quickly as you possibly can because I'm uncomfortable and I don't wanna be in this storm. And yet, what if we prayed differently? What if we prayed to Jesus and said, Lord, let me not miss the invitation that is in this moment. Let me not miss what you are actually doing in this very moment. Ways you're allowing this to exist in my life for good in some mysterious way that that this is an invitation for me to see you and become more like you in a fundamental part of my life. St. John Chrysostom again speaks to this beautifully. He says, note in this passage how Jesus did not too easily remove their darkness. That's what I usually wanna pray. How quickly can my darkness and struggle be removed? But he says, Jesus did not too easily remove it. He says, he did not come quickly to their rescue. He was training them. 
Jesus was training them by the continuance of these fears and instructing them to be ready to endure. Are you and I, are we as the church ready to endure? Do you see your role as a Christian, as someone who's being made ready to endure, that Jesus might be training us so that when we are on the other side of this present challenge, we'll be who we are meant to be. We'll be who he's inviting the church to be, to be people who are able to stand on our own two feet and reach out to the world with compassion and tenderness and love and courage. That's what we are invited to be. And this is a hard thing to do. That's why I love St. Peter in this story. And we can land here. St. Peter, I think, as is often the case, is all of us. He's you and he's me. Because in Peter, you see the tension. You see that life is a constant struggle on the one hand of wanting to look fully at Jesus and say, I see you and I trust that you will navigate me through this season. On the other hand, you see Peter wanting to give his heart and his attention and his mind to the waves and the chaos and the storm that he finds himself in. And he's pulled between those two realities. N.T. Wright powerfully says it this way. He says, Peter is caught between glory and terror. He's caught between glory and terror, which in some ways I think sums up much of the Christian life, if we're actually honest. That in one way or another, you or I are caught between glory and terror, and yet the invitation that is ever before us, always before us, is how do we rebalance those scales? How do we not ignore the struggle, not say, I'm gonna plug my ears, shut my eyes, and just wait for it to go away, but to say, how can I not be consumed by the terror and yet instead consumed by the reality of Jesus Christ, who is actually before me, who is everything that he says he is. The church around the world this past week celebrated the Feast of the Transfiguration, which is this powerful reminder that we see Jesus as he truly is. Peter had a moment in which he was invited in this story to do that. And you and I day in and day out in every way are invited to do the same, to see Jesus in his power and his glory and to move away from terror, move away from fear and actually say, Jesus, I believe that I'm safe even in this chaos because you're training me, shaping me, making me and your people able to pass through this with courage and faithfulness. And so we can hear his words to us, take heart, it is I do not be afraid. Like C.S. Lewis put it, his understanding of that phrase, he said, courage, dear heart. I think that's the word to the church today. Courage, dear heart. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you're able, would you stand and we together will affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.